Grace and mercy and peace to you today from God our Father, from Jesus our Savior too. In front of us is one of the most beautiful and popular Bible stories in the whole Bible, the story about Daniel and the lion's den. Summary is this, that for his faith and for refusing to pray to the king, Daniel's thrown in a pit of lions overnight and the next morning he's still alive. He said the reason is because God sent an angel to shut the mouths of the lions. It is a beautiful story about God's protection for his people and a story about standing firm in your faith. Now today I want to tell you that story again, not as I would tell it to preschool kids. This is a, a great story to tell to little kids. And if you're looking for one as a parent or grandchild, how about Daniel and the lion's den? But, but today, to take you into it at more of an adult level. Because if you haven't gone back to some of those classic Bible stories, David and Goliath, Daniel and the lion's den, some of those that you loved as a kid, come back to them as an adult with what you know about how politics works in this world, with how you have wrestled yourself with all the emotions of being an adult, and I think you'll see things in these Bible stories you loved as a kid that still hit home as an adult too. So today, put your shoes in, yourself in the shoes of this man named Daniel, and as I tell the story again, what would you have been thinking? How would you have reacted? What would you have done if you would have been if you would have been him. The book of Hebrews tells us to take these examples of the heroes of faith and to imitate them ourselves. So as I tell you the story, let me go back before Daniel and the lion's den all the way to when Daniel was a kid. This is what the, the map would have looked like in his part of the world. The, the whole purple area is the Assyrian Empire. But as Daniel was a child, this was crumbling and everybody knew it. And everyone knew that as the Assyrian Empire fell apart, it was either going to be the Egyptians or the Babylonians who were going to dominate the Middle East. So, here's, here's a map of the battle that was, that was brewing when Daniel was a kid, maybe about 10 years old. So coming up from Egypt, that orange line, Pharaoh Necho actually decided to ally himself with the Assyrians to fight against the Babylonians because he saw Babylon as the bigger threat. The green is Babylon. They allied themselves with the Medes and the Persians, who are the red. And everything was coming together. If you see where all the arrows are converging, there's a place called Carchemish that was one of the biggest battles in world history. But before that, we go back to the land of Israel, and as Daniel was a kid, there was a good king named Josiah, who, if you'd make a list of the top best kings, he'd be near the top, because he, there's a reformation where he restored the temple and the worship of God. Now, he was stuck in the middle, and the big de political debate wasn't between Republicans and Democrats. It was, should you be pro-Egypt or pro-Babylon? He decided to actually help the Babylonians, and he took his army and tried to stop the Egyptians and block them from coming up the coast. And in that battle, he died. He was, a young, he was still young, about my age, in his late 30s. And you wonder what would have happened if this good king would have lived another 30 or 40 years. But, Daniel probably remembered that. That was when Daniel was about 10 years old. The next king was taken as a political prisoner down to Egypt. And four years later, that battle happened at Carchemish. And a young Babylonian king named Nebuchadnezzar won the battle and established the Babylonian Empire. The aftermath of that was he pushed his advantage down toward Egypt. There are three colored lines where Nebuchadnezzar invaded Israel three times. First time is the orange line. He didn't take Jerusalem that time, but he did come and show that he was the new boss in the area, and he took political prisoners from Jerusalem, including a young man named, named Daniel. 
We don't know his age, but we know he must have been from the nobility in Jerusalem. He probably was between 10 and 20. If you split the difference and think 15, that's like a sophomore in high school. And that was only the first of at least four different waves of people taken captive to Babylon. So that was the year 605 BC. Daniel was taken captive as like a 15-year-old kid. Eight years later, Nebuchadnezzar came back, Ezekiel, and 3,000 other people were taken captive. Eleven years later, Nebuchadnezzar came back and destroyed Jerusalem and burned the temple down. Took another 832 people captive then, and four years later there were still more. The numbers there are taken from Jeremiah, and what amazes me is how low they are. It shows you just how many people uh, were killed when the Babylonians came in. So the whole life of Daniel then is, as he is away from home, he, he never came back. He never was back in Jerusalem. As, as he's going to be in Babylon the rest of his life, is he going to stand firm in his faith, or is he going to give in to all the Babylonian religion and things, and things around him? So chapter 1, as a 15-year-old, the, the big issue is, as he's going through what would have been like a high school or college education in Babylon, he was told to eat all the food that would have been unclean for someone who observed the Old Testament. And even as a 15-year-old kid, Daniel stood firm and his friends, and they asked for a special, a special being allowed to eat food that would have been acceptable. Uh, and God blessed Daniel. Partly his own gifts that God given him, partly that he was a very diligent worker, partly God just blessed him. Daniel kept rising up in the Babylonian government. This is the route that he would have taken and, and the people of Israel when they were in captivity. So at the arrows there, that's where Babylon is. They lived east and south of there. It's in Iraq today. You probably know this story from Daniel. One of those occasions was Nebuchadnezzar built this huge idol and said everybody has to bow down and worship it, a way of showing political loyalty. Daniel must have been off on other business because he wasn't there, but his friends said, no, we would rather be thrown into a fiery furnace than to bow down and worship that idol, and God saved Daniel's friends. And Daniel, throughout his life then, he was in the Babylonian government, although after Nebuchadnezzar died, it seems like he was kind of sidelined as new kings came in. But they were all weak, and the Babylonian empire started to fall apart. So this is the story in Daniel chapter 5. Uh, on the day before the Persian, the Persian army came into Babylon, the Babylonians threw a big party. Uh, some empires go down fighting, the Babylonians went down partying. Uh, and Daniel was there, they called him in to read the writing that God put on the wall. And Daniel predicted that the Babylonian Empire was going to be defeated by the Persians. The man who came in was named Cyrus, Cyrus the Great. This is the one carving of how he might have looked. His empire started in the, in the bottom, bottom right, Persia. He took over the empire of the Medes, is yellow. Then he conquered the Lydians in what's Turkey today. Finally, he came back and took Babylon. And that's what brings us then to chapter 6 and Daniel and the lion's den. So if Daniel hadn't lived through enough political upheaval in his life, how about this one? A complete new empire, a complete... They, he's, they're going to start over with the whole political administration and they're picking new people to lead. And if you think of it, the time that's passed, it's the year is now 539 BC, 66 years after Daniel was taken captive as a teenager. So if he was 15 then, that would mean that Daniel in the lion's den, he is about 81. But he's, he's not just the token old guy from the previous administration who gets a job. Uh, he starts actually showing himself in those opening months that 
he's the kind of guy who's exactly the kind of person Cyrus is looking for to help lead the Persian Empire. So, here's Daniel chapter 6. This is before what we read before. The plan was for Daniel to be promoted to be the top official underneath the king. And everybody else then gets jealous, all the other people who are hoping to get that spot. And just, not that it was exactly the way it is today, but now after seeing our politics in America, I kind of know how this works. Everybody else wants the top job, and so what do they do? They try to dig up whatever dirt they can on Daniel. So this is what 6 verse 4 says. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. And I think no matter how we vote this week, uh, isn't this what we're praying that God would give us in our own country? If you, if you look for one verse, it would summarize what is the ideal politician like? Someone where, as they vet Daniel's pat background, he is exemplary in his public service, uh, the way that his faith shown in what he did. So they say, we're not going to take Daniel down with that. We've got to do something about his religion. That's what that next verse says. So what Daniel faced was not so much people hated his religion as it was they wanted to take him down politically and attacking his religion was the route to do that. So they decided to make a law that you could not pray to anyone except the king for a month. It wasn't you have to pray to the king. It wasn't you have to worship an idol. It was you have to stop worshiping for 30 days. So now, if you are Daniel, if you're in his shoes, how do you react to that? The idea of praying to anyone other than God, that, that's unthinkable to Daniel. Uh, could he stop worshiping God for a month? Well, that's, that doesn't seem to be an option to him, him either. After 60 years in government, he must have had some political connections. Could he have built support and tried to have some kind of coup uh, to try to fight against it politically? Uh, Daniel didn't go that route. And did he stage some kind of huge public prayer pro protest where he very publicly and purposely broke the law? That wasn't what he did either. What Daniel chose to do was to go home like he always did and three times a day to pray facing straight west toward the city where Jerusalem and the temple had been. And we don't know what his prayer was that day, but there are some words in here that describe it a little bit. It says that like always, Daniel gave thanks to God. <laughs> you think of, how about that for a prayer when Daniel knows all of this is facing, he knows what this is about, it's, it's aimed at him. His prayer is a prayer of thanksgiving to God like always. And it says that when those men came and found Daniel, he was asking God for help. And if you want to read a prayer from Daniel, read Daniel chapter 9. It is a beautiful prayer of confessing sins and turning to God and to God's promises. But those, those men come back and they're not surprised. They knew they were going to find Daniel. Daniel's not surprised. He knew it was coming. The one who's surprised is the king. Because he honestly did like Daniel and wanted to promote him. He had nothing against Daniel and his, his faith, even though he probably did not share it at all. But the rule was, if you make a law in Persia, you can't just throw it out. And so Daniel had to get thrown in the lion's den. And the king says to him, I really hope your God keeps you safe. And he was so eaten up by it that that night he couldn't enjoy himself. He couldn't sleep. And the next morning he rushes to the lion's den. And this is... This is what he said. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? And I just think that's a fascinating question. He doesn't say, 
Daniel, are you okay? He doesn't say, Daniel, are you alive? His question is about Daniel's God. He names him the living God. That must have been the way that Daniel talked about him because I don't know why this king would refer to God as the living God. And the question is, is the living God able? Can he, does he have the power to rescue, to rescue you? And Daniel's answer is, yes. My God sent his angel to shut the mouths of the lions. I haven't done anything wrong against God. I haven't done anything wrong before you, your majesty. And Daniel was innocent and God saved him that night. And so, if, as, as you're listening to an account in the Bible, I hope you're always asking yourself, what do I take away from myself? What does God want me to learn from, from the story about Daniel and the lion's den? Uh, now, this is where usually the, the preschool version stops. Uh, if you keep reading the chapter, there are two more things that happen. One is they take all the people who falsely accuse Daniel and they throw them in the lion's den, the lions eat them. Uh, which is not just sweet, sweet justice, it is... Uh, another proof that Daniel didn't live the night because the lions were hungry, uh, the others were eaten. But the other thing, and I had forgotten about this until I was studying it again this week, the, the king then, there's a picture someone painted, the, the king issued a new law because you couldn't take away the old one, but the Persian way of undoing a bad law was to pass a different law that would counteract it. So at the end of, of the story, this is what's written. The king wrote, May you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people may, must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. So it's not illegal anymore to pray like Daniel did. And then there's this poem. And you wonder, did the king write it himself? Or did Daniel help him? Because it really sounds like a believer and really gets at the heart of the story of Daniel and the lion's den. For he is the living God and, his king, and, he, and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. Two big points there, both tied into that question he had asked Daniel that morning. God is the living God different from any idol or block of wood that just sits there, different from the modern-day thought that God is something that people made up, that religion is people trying to invent something that makes themselves feel better that doesn't really exist. No, the, the God that we worship, the God of the Bible, is the, the living God. And that the God of the Bible, the living God, is able to rescue and to save his people. With Daniel's lion's den being one example, and honestly, a, a small example compared to the bigger one, that God would send his son into the world to save the whole world from sin and death and hell by dying on the cross and rising again. The living God is the God who saves his people. And so if you'd say, why would Daniel hold on to this God throughout his life, all the things he lived on to, because Daniel had the living God who was able to save him. So bringing it back now to you and me today, I hope you already have been applying this to your own heart and your own life. Uh, let me give a couple to, to different age groups this morning. 
On a Reformation Day, it's a day to, to think about and talk about standing firm in the faith and not giving up. For those of you who are young, maybe the age Daniel was when he was taken captive, let's say you're a 15-year-old, you're looking ahead at life. And the question I would ask you is, are you going to stand firm no matter what comes so that a long time from now, when you're 80 years old, would you rather face lions than, than give up your faith? I don't know if your parents have said this to you, but my guess is one of their deepest fears is that you, when you leave home, not if, and maybe it's not like Daniel ripped away from home when you're a teenager, but when you leave home and when you leave perhaps the church you grew up at, are you still going to hold on to your faith? And if so, why? And I hope what you find, you look around the world, you're not going to find a God out there who is alive the way the God of the Bible is. And you'll not find a God who can save the way that God saves his people. Saving us from sin and death and hell, and if he takes care of us that way, can he take care of you in all the other physical ways of life? Sure he can, and I, I'm praying for you that God will make you strong in your faith as a kid looking ahead in life. If you're more like me in the middle ages of being active and fighting all the battles and being tired and worn out by life, to look at Daniel and see someone who kept going and never gave up in those middle years. I've heard it said that we in the Christian church now need to shift from being a Jerusalem mindset to a Babylon mindset. Uh, and when I've heard that, it's, it's referencing the story of Daniel, that when Daniel was a kid, he was surrounded in Jerusalem, everybody was Israelite, the people were supposed to at least worship at the temple, even though some of the people didn't, that was what was normal, was to worship the God of the Bible. Then Daniel's in Babylon, and he's surrounded by people now who are very different from him. Could it be that we in our generation need to be ready to be surrounded by people who don't share our same faith? Yeah. And is that okay? It was for Daniel. Some people today say we as Christians need to withdraw from society and just form a group that's only Christians. That's not what Daniel did. He actually was in the very middle of the Babylonian government for 60 years. On the other side, there are people today who then say, if I'm going to fit in, that means I need to hide my faith. But that's not what Daniel did either. Without making it this big public spectacle that he was always praying to God, was it clear to everyone around him that he had his faith and that he wasn't going to give it up? Yeah, everybody knew that about Daniel. And for, for you and me today, I, I pray that we can find a way to be that way too. To live in this world without giving up our faith, but instead being the light to those, to those around us. Uh, to those of you who are a bit older, maybe even the 81 year range like Daniel must have been, I don't know how you've imagined this story before. I, I know there are plenty of paintings that look more like this, where Daniel's like a 20-year-old guy or 30-year-old guy. But there's a reason why I... I don't know that there's a window into the lion's den, but if you look at Daniel there, he's got gray hair and he's bald. And I don't know if that's the way you've imagined him before, but the fact is Daniel was an old man in his 80s when he was willing to make this confession of faith and even to die for it. And those of you who do have gray hair in your head, I, I hope that you don't say that standing firm in the faith is only for the next generation and that the battles of life have somehow passed you by because you're not in heaven yet. And every day that you are here might be a day for you like Daniel 
to show the world what you believe in uh, and to be able to confess your faith in God, even if it means facing, facing those who, who would not believe. But no matter where you are, that we stand firm in our faith. Uh, the Bible talks about Daniel later on. Here's a passage from Hebrews chapter 11. It's called the Heroes of Faith chapter. So let me wrap up today with this. Uh, the chapter spends a lot more time on Abraham and on Moses, but Daniel's on the list too. It mentions a whole lot of people, including those who shut the mouths of lions. Uh, must be a reference to Daniel. And this is the verse that then wraps up this chapter. These, all these heroes of faith, including Daniel in the Old Testament, these were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. So the New Testament looking back says about Daniel, that was not the greatest thing that ever happened to Daniel. Uh, surviving that night with the lions. Uh, it must have been a wonderful day in his life.